Hello, my friend. You are listening to TIEPOD, and today we are joined by Dr. Ashley Adams. Look, this episode is going to be so fantastic because Ashley is a writer, speaker, and career development strategist who thrives at the intersection of personal, professional, and community development among women. I mean, holy cow, it's already so good. So she has worked in corporate, nonprofit, and educational leadership for nearly 15 years and currently is serving as a senior level administrator and professor professor, excuse me, in the College of Education at a large research university in the Northeast. Her career development and leadership platform, Mentor Me, leverages her own proven career advancement strategies and developed a high-impact framework for helping women get unstuck in life and career. She uses mentoring to serve women and teach them how to utilize their leadership skills to thrive personally and professionally. And today, we are coming at you with a very, very interesting conversation, something that you don't hear spoken about very much in this space, which is how the heck you can manage a demanding boss and or coworker as a entrepreneur. So I know a lot of you are intrapreneurs, right? Where you have your own business, but you are working on a team as a contractor and sometimes as an employee, maybe even as a recurring freelancer. So when we are working with extremely demanding bosses and coworkers, there are some tips and techniques that can help us out. And Dr. Adams is here to spill all of it for you. Hi there. Thanks for tuning in to Tie Pod, a podcast crafted by Tiana Tai to help you purify your purpose in business, love, and life. Whether you're an entrepreneur, dog mom, or just getting started, you're bound to find value as Tiana dives into meaningful topics each episode. So settle in, turn up the volume, and welcome your host, Tiana Tai. I've got to take just a quick second to ask you for a serious bit of support. TIEPOD would not be possible without your reviews, your comments, and just all of the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far. So if you haven't already, please go on, hit subscribe to make sure you're not missing out on any of this good and free content, and also be sure to leave a review. You may think that I'm not looking at them, but I swear to you, my friend, I read every single review and it just makes my heart so happy. So if you haven't already done so, hit pause, leave a review, and then let's get back to the goodness. So I'm going to stop complimenting you and ranting about you, and I'm going to let you take over from here, Ashley, and introduce yourself and let everybody know just a little bit about your journey and what's brought you here today. Well, first, I'd like to just say thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to uh, be here. And thanks so much for the beautiful introduction. Um, As you mentioned, I'm Ashley. I am a career development mentor and strategist, and I primarily serve women, Black women in particular, um, and really um, helping those women think more intently about what their career career development goals are and how they can leverage the skills they already have um, to advance and grow their careers. Um, I really love the work that I do, uh, both in higher education um, and also my work and full-time work as an entrepreneur and serving women through mentorship. Um, And I'm really excited um, because this is a really critical time in our world, um, in the world of work in particular. 
Um, and I think now more than ever, um, women are motivated uh, to really bring their whole selves to work and leverage all of who they are in the workplace in a meaningful way. Um, and I'm really excited to be able to serve them as a mentor during this time and help them uh, advance in the ways that they desire. And so many of the women that I serve are really looking um, to be compensated at a higher level. They know they have skill sets and they're not being compensated well. They want um, to have more impact, right? They have a lot of skill sets. They have the degrees, but they're not having real impact at work. They want mis- more visibility. They want um, to work for organizations whose values match their own. And, and I'm really thrilled to be able to serve them and aid them with strategy and positioning to do that well. Yes. And I know that you are working, I won't say primarily, but you do a lot of work with professional women, maybe still working in the corporate space. But I also happen to know that the topics that you speak about and your expertise is extremely, extremely applicable to this entrepreneur community, especially the ones here at Tide Pod, because y'all know I know who you are. So when I saw what you do, Ashley, I was like, oh my goodness, even entrepreneurs, the freelancers, the contractors, everybody can use this knowledge and this wisdom to really learn how to advocate for ourselves within the workplace. Yeah, so true. And it's so funny that you say that because I personally have totally shied away from entrepreneurship. And even as a mentor and coach, I'm like, I do not serve mentors. I do. I I do not serve entrepreneurs. I do not serve entrepreneurs, but I can't get away from it. The career strategies that I help my mentees who work in corporate nonprofit or educational leadership are also absolutely uh, applicable to entrepreneurs. Uh, In fact, I do have several mentees who are entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs, like you mentioned earlier. And it's because as we grow our careers, whether our careers are in, in entrepreneurship or they're in um, a more structured or traditional space, we have to leverage what we have and navigate really challenging situations and challenging personalities and people to really um, position ourselves as the experts that we are. Uh, too often, women find themselves shrinking and shying away from difficult conversations, feeling like they're marginalized and they're not able to do that well. And uh, my mentorship model really helps them do that in a more impactful way uh, through really understanding who they are, understanding who the people that they work are with are, and learning how to leverage what they know um, to make meaningful advances in the workplace. Oh, I love that. And just to piggyback off what you're saying, like, I I totally understand, especially as a woman, as an entrepreneur, and I don't know that you know this about me, but I come from a background in corporate consulting with Fortune 500 healthcare and pharma companies, which is a very male, very white male dominated industry, just to be frank about it. So yeah, that was an experience and continues to be a learning experience in and of itself. (laughs) But I'm curious from your perspective, right, just on kind of the power dynamic, I think that would be a really good place to start. Uh, When people have a demanding boss, right? So again, for you who's listening, it doesn't matter necessarily, and we'll get into the nuances, but it may not matter whether you are a full-time employee, a part-time employee, a contractor, a recurring freelancer, an entrepreneur, all of the classifications. Um, But we all tend to answer to somebody at the end of the day. So what do you say to people who do have that very demanding boss and kind of a difficult working relationship because of it? I think the first question I would ask is what what are they demanding about? Uh, so the strategies that I use in my mentorship uh, with women is a, a management strategy called managing up, um, and it's really about. Um, 
you know, leveraging and understanding your supervisor in a meaningful way so that you can manage or lead them down a path that will support the organizational goals, but also uh, support your own career development. And so the first strategy in managing up is to really understand who your boss is, um, what makes them tick. And you're right. It doesn't matter if you're an entrepreneur or entrepreneur, um, you know, your mid-level, senior level, professional, um, a contractor, you, you have someone that you report to. And so you need to understand what they are demanding about. I often say that most bosses, supervisors, even if your boss is the client, right, they want to know the numbers, right? They're quantitative. They want to know the percent increases. They want to know how much money they spent, how much money they saved, what the conversion is, what the engagement is, the rate, the percentages, right? You need to understand what they are demanding about. Um, some supervisors and leaders are always demanding about the relationships. How is the team feeling? How, what do they think about this? Are they engaged? Are they connected? Do, are, do they feel served? How are, how, how are they feeling, right? Like this sort of um, this this emotional connection uh, to uh, to the to the client or um, to the the uh, overall person you're serving, um, and then other bosses are all about um, and this is true of my uh, my boss even in my workplace. It's all about the relationship. Well, who said it was okay? Does so and so approve? Have so and so looked at this? Do they think that it's a good idea? Have we quote unquote run this up the chain right? And so there, you really need to understand what the person that's demanding things of you is demanding about. And then once you understand that, right, once you have a ton of clarity on exactly what they care about, then you can leverage that to really manage the demanding behavior. So once you understand that maybe they're a quantitative person, they just want to know the numbers, they want to know the percentage saved. So then you ask some really detailed and clarifying questions. What are your expectations of me in this role? So I need to know exactly what numbers to report out. I need to know exactly what the metrics are to hit. I need to know exactly what the key performance indicators are, right? The KPIs that I need to hit. I need to know exactly what those are. And I need to know not uh, only what you want from me, but I also need to know what exceptional looks like. So not just what the baseline is, but I know the women that I work with. And I imagine your listeners, Ty, are really people who are high achievers, right? They are absolutely wanting to do exceptional work. Mm -hmm. So we have to get to know what exceptional looks like for our organization. From there, then you share what your expectations are. Given what your expectations are, Supervisor X, this is what I'm going to need from you to be successful. I'm going to need a bigger budget. I'm going to need a bigger travel allowance. I'm going to need an admin assistant. I'm going to need four more people on my team. I'm going to need an extra $100,000 to complete this project, whatever that is. Once you've understood what their expectations are, now it's time for you to really get clear about what you need from them to be uh, to meet those exceptional goals, and then how you like to be communicated with. And thus, I then want to meet with you, um, you know, once a month for sixty minutes to be able to go over these goals and make sure I'm hitting those metrics, or to share with you what my strategy is, or to get your feedback and suggestions about next steps. And then, of course, you underpromise and overdeliver. You're always going to because now you know what the baseline is, you know what exceptional work looks like, and you're going to be absolutely tied into that matrix um, so that you don't, it doesn't have to be a demanding relationship because you know what they demand and you can meet that and exceed it again and again. Oh my goodness. So if your brain is moving as quickly as mine is, my friend, she just hit us with the knowledge. Okay. So I, what's really sticking out to me about everything that you've just said is essentially taking kind of like that work backwards approach, right? So, okay, you say they're demanding, but let's start with the out. What is it that they're being demanding about? And starting from there and utilizing kind of that, I'll call it an analysis that you're completing on the boss or on the coworker and utilizing that information to then help you learn what it is that you need to ask of them as well. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Thank you. 
<laughs> so whenever you are mentoring or coaching around this topic, what are some of the, I'll call it objections, right? So you can say all that and it sounds fantastic. And I just said it was brilliant because it just so happens to be. But let's be honest, sometimes someone may be listening to this and they're like, mm, it's not that easy, Ashley. So what are some of the common objections or maybe even challenges uh, that people are still kind of wary about? Ashley, you don't know my boss. Ashley, I have tried this with my boss already. They, it doesn't work for them. Ashley, my boss is too busy to meet with me, so I never have an opportunity to uh, get their feedback again and again. Ashley, my boss will not tell me what exceptional looks like. I know what the baseline is. Obviously, I have a copy of my job description, but I have no idea what they really want and what exceptional work looks like. And every time I tell my mentees, go back to the framework. It works, Ty, if you work it. If you work it like I tell you to work it, it absolutely works. And don't get me wrong, it is not easy. It is very challenging. Even with my nearly 15 years of experiences to 15 years of experience, two years ago, I almost quit my job when I had a supervisory change. And I was like, I'm not dealing with it. I don't want to deal with her. I don't want to deal with what the implications might be. But then I had to remember that I have a framework. I do this. I literally teach it to other people. I had to lean in, right? I had to really do the work and it is so hard. I think oftentimes um, one of the biggest objections is, well, Ashley, like, I don't want to have to get to know my boss. I don't want to have to spend time with them, get to know about their kids and know what they drink after work. And I'm not suggesting that. You, people who work with me um, in my um, uh, more traditional work will tell you that I am probably one of the most private people um, as it relates to um, separation between my um, work um, and my life. However, I am intentional about being the type of leader that can be managed, right? Like I, 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 I am often managed up by my staff and I manage my supervisor and it's on purpose. And so I encourage you to really lean into the strategy. It absolutely works if you work it. I have heard every excuse and we're always going back to the framework. Obviously, you know, my role as a mentor, um, you know, just beyond listening to the strategy is that I work with you to really work on the nuances of your specific boss. We sit down and mentor me strategy sessions and really work through that and exactly like what it's going to look like in your industry with your supervisor. There are lots of nuances to it, but that framework is solid. And I think that what often where the, the biggest place where people often get hung up is that they maybe know what their supervisor expects of them, but they haven't shared any expectations the other way. And so it's like they have all these lofty goals. They want me to do all of these things and I just don't have the resources. Have you let them know that you ha don't have the resources and have you told them that I, I unfortunately can't meet these goals given the current resources? Because if that's the case and you've had that really critical conversation and if they were brave enough, right, to just tell you, oh, actually, we can't give you those resources, then it's time for you to really be mentored by me because it's time for a career transition, right? Like we really need to move on to another contract, another employer, another industry, another client. Um, but if if in working the framework, the employer or right, the client, the customer, um, the contractee drops out, then that's where we need to make a pivot. Mm, I love that. And I love that you didn't shy away from the fact that it's a hard conversation to have sometimes. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we're not taught to ask what exceptional work looks like. And even there are some employers who like have like these metrics, these rating systems, like, you know, uh, below average and average and exceptional, but no one ever tells you what you're supposed to do to get exceptional. It's all nebulous. They'll know it when they see it. No more. You need to ask your supervisor, your manager, the person who's leading the contract, what does exceptional work looks like? I, you can let them know that you can anticipate that I'll be doing exceptional work and I need to know what your definition for that is so that I can meet those expectations. And then here's what I'll need from you to do that. Absolutely. And I'm just reflecting on, you know, just because I'm so heavily invested in the entrepreneur space. So just to be completely frank, look, we keep it real here, is it's actually not rare, but I'm very, very impressed when I get met with a new business owner that does have KPIs in place proactively. That's honestly something that I tend to come in and help leaders with in their first couple of years of operation. Uh, but I'm loving what you're saying about asking beyond, right? Beyond the job description, beyond the KPIs, what does exceptional look like? Because y'all, if you're paying attention, first of all, Ashley, you just taught me something because it's a great reminder to challenge not only you know, the person who has the job, right? So you who's listening, but also to challenge the leaders to think through those things because it, it the, those are the cases where I do see a lot of leaders start to not only be demanding, but start to micromanage and things like that because they're just like, well, nobody does this work like I do it. You know, they're not showing up as much as I do. They're not as committed to this business, to this mission, to this vision as I am. And that's when we get into those conversations around, well, do they know what the vision and mission are? Do you have KPIs outlined? And even beyond that, have you told them what exceptional looks like? That's such an excellent point. I just really needed to highlight that. Thank you. And I, and I want women to know that it is because I've been doing this work for a long time that it flows off of my lips, right? Mm -hmm. But I have scripts for my mentees. We practice this work. It is not easy, but you can, it is hard in fact, but you can do hard things. You can do hard things and whatever stage in your career development um, you are, now is the time to be doing hard things, to be having really challenging um, career development conversations because the first time you advocate for yourself won't be the last. You're going to have to advocate for yourself again and again and again at whatever stage you are in your career um, or um, entrepreneurial uh, ventures. And it's important that you start today. I have to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Primally Pure. Y'all, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I've tried a lot of natural deodorants and my husband disapproves of 99.9% .9 of them but not my new Primally Pure Charcoal Deodorant. I have been so excited to share this with you because I have been testing it myself for three full months before I decided that it was worth sharing. This is absolutely my hands down favorite natural deodorant and I've tried at least five or six brands by now. And even better, it can be your new favorite too. You can get your next order for 10% off by using the code TIANA10. That's right, T-I-A-N-N-A-1-0, -N -N -A and you're on your way to your new favorite deodorant. And hopefully your significant other will approve of this one. <laughs> yes. So I hear you when you say you have scripts and this is something that you actively, you know, coach and practice with your mentees. But I'm wondering if you would be willing to give the Thai Pod audience just a little taste and I will say maybe even just... Um, 
maybe an option about how to even initiate the conversation. So not the whole shebang. I know they got to work with you for that. But do you have any tips around how to open up the conversation or different techniques that you've seen be very successful? Absolutely. It goes like this. Hi, Siobhan. I'd like to meet with you next month um, for at least 60 minutes to talk about my career development. I want to get some clarification on um, what my goals are um, over the next nine months. I've outlined a framework, but I want to get your feedback on that. And I also um, want to share what you, what I anticipate needing to meet those goals. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks, Ashley. Why you make that sound so easy? <laughs> In fact, like that, that's free. That's, that's the script. That, there you go. And actually, the whole framework that I talked about before, that, that mentor me framework, that is also a script like that, that is the framework. Obviously we get into a little bit more detail when we work together, but like that, that's it. And uh, like, again, it does sound simple coming off my lips, but it's going to take your, your practice, right? It's going to be take you putting your boss's name in there. It's going to maybe for your boss, you have to go to their admin first, or, you know, maybe um, it needs to be next week, not next month. Right. But, but it's a framework. And I promise you that it works. If you work it, I have had helped my mentees deal with the most demanding, the most overbearing, the most busy, the most aloof bosses ever. But just like they can manage poor performers, you can manage up, you can manage up your poor performing boss. And this is how. (laughs) I love it. You can manage up your poor performing boss. Uh, I will be, again, totally transparent with you, Ashley. The amount of DMs, and I always keep this totally confidential. No one will ever hear me sharing a name or anything of that nature, but I receive a ton of messages from, in, in this space in particular, online business managers, virtual assistants, executive assistants, you know, the people on the team, the boots on the ground, where they're like, oh my God, you help leaders, you help these CEOs with these skills, please. And then they will give me all of the information around all of this. So you, my friend, the one that's been sliding into my DMs, listen to this woman's words. You can manage up poor performance in your own boss. That was fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. Alrighty. So you did just give us kind of the sneak, not the sneak peek, you gave us the script for at least how to open up this conversation. But I am super curious because you have been around the block. So I would love to hear some of the bigger mistakes, right? Like, let's be honest here. So whenever we are having difficult conversations, I know we can trip over words, we can do all sorts of stuff, but I want to hear some of the biggest mistakes so that our listeners can try their best to avoid them. I think the biggest mistake in general in career development and in having difficult conversations is complacency and fear. So you've been working there for four years. They don't require a lot of you. You don't require a lot of yourself. The pay is decent nobody's bothering you. And so you don't manage up, they don't manage you and you're having very little impact and doing very little meaningful work, but like, Hey, a job is a job. And in this economy, like what more can you ask for? Wrong, but uh, understandable, right? There's a lot of fear and there's a lot of complacency there. Um, I think the other, the other challenge, and I wouldn't even call it a mistake, but the other challenge is that I've already tried that. Right. So it's true. um, And I want to sort of speak this out loud that particularly for black women, who is my primary audience, 
white supremacy reigns and things like imposter syndrome and fear are symptoms of white supremacy. And it's designed this way that we, particularly the, the world of work, corporate nonprofit and educational leadership was never designed for us. And so it is uh, these spaces where we often feel like we don't belong and like we and we feel like uh, we don't have enough. There's a lot of self-doubt and, and, and self-questioning, but it's designed like that. It's designed to have you questioning. And so one, I want you to know that that's real and that that fear and anxiety and doubt um, are quote unquote normal, like you're not the only one um, and it's set up like that. But there are strategies to move right through that. You can't move around it. You can't make it disappear. There's going to be no self mantra or affirmation that makes it go away, but you can move through it. And the mistake is not moving through it. The mistake is staying stuck. The mistake is literally letting cement fold around your feet and your toes and your ankles. And now you're stuck. So to get out of the mistake, to get out of the challenge is to move forward. Baby steps, a full out sprint, but just move forward. Don't get stuck. And if you are stuck, then this is where you ask for the lifeline. This is where you reach out and ask for mentorship. This is where you do the real work of building community with someone who's an expert, uh, i.e. me, um, so that I can serve you and help you get unstuck to really move from where you are to where you want to be. This is a side note, but I think you're a poet, FYI. So. Thank I, you. I'm definitely going to put that in my bio, poet. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, first of all, this analogy right now is just really hidden. Okay. <laughs> so I would let, like, excuse me. I just think that the fact that you just brought up kind of the reality and some of the issues around what the system looks like, especially in the world of work is so valid and is honestly a difficult, but a life-giving conversation. Um, So I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about some of the nuanced challenges that women are having speaking up not only when there's a power dynamic, but also understanding that these systems and these inequalities and these issues are still very well full and alive. And maybe if, you know, their boss or their coworker or whomever is being challenging, um, is of a different background and that's presenting a unique challenge, like, is that something that you see often? And what would you say to her right now if she's listening? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, cross-cultural differences on one end and flat-out racism and discrimination on another end are real challenges uh, that Black women in particular, women of color more generally, and then women, right, face. And so um, absolutely, I see it. And I think that if you are experiencing that in the workplace, I want you to know that it's not your job to fix it. Uh, this is a controversial uh, comment, so you know, do with it what you will. But it's not Black women's job to fix racism at work, and I'm not signing up any sister of mine to be going around joining every diversity committee and joining every you know round table to help white people figure out something that they created. What I want you to do instead <laughs> is to lean into, like. What are you good at? Where can you have the most impact? Where can you serve? Um, how can you leverage your existing skill sets to get where you want out of your career? Can you do those things in this organization? If not, how can we move you to an organization where you can do them and whose values are aligned with your own, right? There, there will never be an organization that where all of the values match, even in my business, <laughs> 
sometimes I'm like, well, I don't really like the way that's happening. And, and then I forget like, girl, you in charge. But but even in entrepreneurship, <laughs> all the values will not align. But there should be, you know, more synergy than than less, right? And so even if you thought that entrepreneurship was going to save you, girl, it's not. You have to do, you have to lean into what you're good at. And so what I like to call this is like leaning into your area of expertise or like leaning into your career area of impact or for the entrepreneurs sort of leaning into your CEO, you need to start delegating and releasing all of the work that's not assigned to you. And so if you are, you know, um, in trying to navigate, right, uh, a colleague, uh, maybe a white female colleague who is regularly um, delegating work to you, like you are her uh, subordinate or dismissing you in meetings and, uh, you know, not allowing you to uh, serve um, in the capacity where you actually do have experience and expertise, um, I think it 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 deserves some interruption. Um, so you might say, Megan, I think. Bef- uh, so let me rephrase, Megan. Previously, you in- interrupted me, so I'm going to speak up again to share X, Y, and Z. Right, some interruption. I like to leverage, right? So I will often share with a colleague, a supervisor, someone else on the team. Hey, I have something important to share today. And in past, I've often gotten interrupted. I'm going to ask that you be an ally today. And if you see that happening, that you help me pause the conversation so that I can advance these ideals. Um, if it's with a supervisor, of course, I'm going to recommend that you manage up. Um, and if it if it's with a subordinate then you sort of manage up in the reverse, which is just managing. <laughs> but then you you just really get clear about what your expectations are. For example, on my staff, even though you know my unit isn't related to equity or justice in any way, all of my staff have equity and justice related goals uh, as a part of their annual performance. Why is that? Because I value equity and justice and they put me in charge. So since you put me in charge, everyone's going to do something related to equity and justice. It's a part of all of our jobs. It's a part of being and living in a better world. And so it really is about like leaning into your area of expertise, leaning into your career area of impact, leaning into what you're good at, delegating and um, even sometimes dismissing other things so that you can have real impact where you must and then leveraging the other part and allies uh, to um, advance in other ways that are meaningful. The point that you just made about allies, that's really very much sticking out to me. Um, I know that particularly in this space with a lot of these businesses, and honestly, this is actually everybody because it's 2020 and coronavirus is a thing. So most of us are virtual at this point. Um, But a lot of our listeners uh, run primarily virtual businesses. So even in these Zoom meetings, like interruptions are real, not feeling heard is real, Um, having even just if the CEO, the leader themselves is kind of running the entire meeting, but maybe you had something to say and you're not quite sure how to speak up. All of these things are very real. So I love just the practical advice that you just gave around how to just, you know, grab an ally, have somebody who can help make space in the conversation for you or manage up. Like you said, that's very, very useful information. I'm glad. And let me know if you use it. Feel free to like DM me like, hey, Ashley, I listened. I used it. It worked. It didn't work. Help me, girl. <laughs> I right. want to I want to see the application. Apply, apply, apply. Oh, my goodness. Yes, absolutely. Alrighty. So we are coming on the tail end of this conversation already. It's crazy, but I would love to hear from you. Just like, is there anything that you wish I would have asked you or anything around this conversation that you really want to just like nail home so that the people do not forget it? 
chances are you already have the skills that you need to advance your business, your life, and your career. And at this point, it's about learning how to use what you already have to get what you want. Too often, women in particular are credential seekers. They are looking for another piece of paper, another training, another workshop, another book to teach them something. But I want you to use what you already have. You already took a training that you're not leveraging. You already have a degree that you're still paying for and you're not using. I want you to use what you have to get what you want. And then you can get another certification, another degree, another credential. But I want you to lean in to what you already have. Um, And if you need help with that, let me mentor you. Yes. Oh my goodness. So you are speaking to me, the me of a few years ago, to be honest with you, Um, just to validate what she said. I mean, those of you who are longtime listeners know that I am a type five on Enneagram. So Ashley, I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram, are you? I'm not. Okay. So simply put, there are nine types and the type that I am, it's another personality dimension, much like any other, except it's, it's different, but it is a personality dimension. And we are, they call us like the experts, the objective observers, that type of person. But we also happen to be like credential seekers. I think it's because it's rooted in this identity of showing up as an expert. There is a very high demand just internally for like, let's go get the master's. And then after I got my master's, hmm, do I need the PhD or can I utilize my master's? And it's like, ooh, there's this training and that training. And maybe I want to get certified in this and that. And I just absolutely resonate and adore with what you're saying with use what you have it will do it if you leverage it. Indeed. Um, and that does, I mean, I'm a whole woman with a PhD, right? Like I can't tell anyone don't feel good. At <laughs> right. But what I want, but I, but I, what I want to do help you do is to teach you how to use the one that you have to get the one that you want paid for, or, you know, to be able to actually utilize the one that you want. I just don't want you to stay stuck credential seeking, but not taking real and meaningful action toward the advancement of your life and career. Yes. Just take the action. Oh my goodness. This is so good. So Ashley, can you please, please, please share with the Tipod audience, like if anything is coming up for you or at least where they can find you, connect with you and potentially even get mentored by you, my friend. Absolutely. So you want to check out my website. It's mentor-me.org. That's M-E-N-T-O-R-me.org. That's going to be the best way for you to um, get to know me better, get to know the Mentor Me brand better and schedule a 20-minute one-on-one mentor moment session. That's an opportunity for us to get to know one another better and just really um, help me better understand how I can best serve you as a mentor. You can also follow me on social. I am so much fun on Instagram. I am hilarious. Um, It's Instagram dot com backslash Ashley Ashire. Ashire is my middle name. So it's A-S-H-L-E-Y-A-S-S-H-I-R-E. And it's the same on Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. Um, So definitely check me out on all three of those platforms. I'm regularly posting and engaging on all three. And I'm so looking forward to connecting with your audience, Ty. Yes. Ooh. And we have a YouTube that just made me very excited. (laughs) Yes. I've actually been getting into vlogging. So I think that one of the things that I'm really intentional about and sort of recognize is that 
they've long told Black women, we can't have it all. We can't have love and a successful career and friends and family. And every girlfriend show about Black women perpetuates the said stereotype. Um, And so in addition to my career development, mentoring and sharing strategies uh, on uh, YouTube, I vlog. So I just talk about my regular everyday work, which a lot of times these days looks like me sitting behind my uh, MacBook, but um, and being in and out of Zoom meetings. But uh, it really is good for you to see me interact with my six younger siblings and help Pax with his homework uh, or, you know, talk to my boyfriend about his work or, um, you know, mentor a mentee or make dinner or go on a photo shoot for a brand campaign. So like whatever that looks like. And I'm really excited to be able to share more of that my everyday life with um, my audience as well. Oh, yes. You know, we love the behind the scenes stuff. So I am sure everybody will be checking that out. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really think just in such a short amount of time, you gave so much information and information that everybody can really take action on, like you said, Uh, quickly, I won't say easily. It's simple. It may not be easy, but like she said, you can do hard things. So thank you for joining us here on Tide Pod. We genuinely really appreciate it. Happy to serve. 